the planet is much closer to Gargantua than we thought. Gargantua. It's what we're calling them, the black hole. Miller's and Dr. Mann's planets both orbit it. And Miller's is, is on the horizon? Oh, it's a basketball around a hoop. Landing there takes us dangerously close, and a black hole that big has a huge gravitational pull. Look, I, I could swing around that neutron star to decelerate. No, 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 it's not that. It's time. The gravity on that planet will slow our clock compared to Earth's drastically. Well, how bad? Well, every hour we spend on that planet will be seven years back on Earth. Yeah. Well, that's relativity, folks. My name is Webb, and this is my co-host, Mike. And this week, we are talking about what I believe to be a pretty divisive film. And I want to take you back to 2016, actually. Uh, I am kind of awaiting the results of the 2016 presidential election in, in November. And, uh, oh, God. Um, it's... <laughs> Our last episode was depressing, all right? Jesus. <laughs> Yeah, so the returns are coming back, and uh, it, it's it's all unpleasant. Such a <laughs> such a minor quibble with those four years. It's all unpleasant. <laughs> <laughs> but over on the other side of the world in India, my wife is waiting uh, to have her uh, visa meeting. Essentially, uh, uh, it, it's uh, it's an interview where you have to kind of confirm with uh, the the embassy, and 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 you have to have. Uh, proof that you do indeed want to get a green card and move to the United States for a legitimate reason, and you're you're not just trying to get in uh, 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 through illegal uh, means and and also through nefarious means. And so we did all the paperwork, and so I've got uh, the election results coming in, and they're unpleasant, and I've got uh, the nervousness also of my wife having to. Uh, go through this interview process to determine whether she's going to be able to come to the States with me or is the process going to um, be delayed like almost another year. And in that time, I was like, I need something to take my mind off of all of this. And I put on my Blu-ray for Chris Nolan's 2014 sci-fi epic interstellar i don't know why i don't know why so for whatever reason this film will always hold a very special place in my heart because it got me to think about something that wasn't what was going to happen in the next four years and also what if my wife gets denied her green card unfortunately the election results didn't go our way but thankfully my wife did get her green card and uh, all this, all this, uh, and I found out actually as Kip Thorne was explaining the theory of relativity in one of the special features, trying to explain the science of Interstellar. This is a film of high highs and low lows. There are a lot of problems I have with it, 
Uh, but I want to get your take. I don't think we've ever really discussed Interstellar. What did you think of this movie? Um, I mean, I remember liking it, but this this is a second time watch for me. So I, I watched it opening weekend, and I recorded on it, but I'm pretty sure in the recording I did the thing that our uh, our, our mutual buddy Hira really, really hated, at least at that point, maybe still does, and... Uh, film podcast, which is reacting to the reaction more than the film itself. I I would say if you're doing a new release thing, that is kind of your bread and butter because uh, it's it's the topical nature of discussing a film that at that point only has I don't know less than a week <laughs> of time to sit with you. But I I certainly could not have been in love with it because. This is uh, nine years, uh, almost. Uh, I guess next year will be the 10th anniversary. And uh, I I did own a copy at some point. I have no memory of purchasing uh, a digital copy, but I had a very nice 4K copy. Um, and it made me wish that I had a bigger TV. It made me wish I was like there had been a retro night of seeing it because you're talking about the high highs. I think I for- had forgotten just the sheer spectacle uh, of this and look we you know live in the age of attempted spectacle uh primarily with the marvel movies and other than seeing uh you know a cast of your favorite childhood heroes line up for battle which i'm, I'm you know that's not for nothing like i you know infinity war and endgame you know th- those were high moments for me because those those characters meant something to me as a kid I wouldn't say visually it's a <laughs> spectacle or a feast uh, because usually it's like a gray or muddied terrain and, you know, it's none of the, the actors are interacting with each other and you can kind of tell. Um, Interstellar <laughs> is interesting. Like the, the black hole aspect of it is just is fascinating, first off. The dialogue probably is the low of uh, I think the lows that you're talking about, but I don't know how to fix it web because I don't know shit about what they're talking about. So I guess eventually <laughs> I need someone to quasi explain it to me. Uh, I'm still not really going to get it. So it's like, you just need enough to kind of understand um, the motivation of the McConaughey character. So he doesn't come across as like captain Ahab. So he just is you know, so he's just not fucking mad on this quest either. Uh, go find uh, the planet that will be their salvation for humanity or to go back to his, primarily his daughter, Murph. Um, and I think it's effective at that. Um, I I will pose my first question to you, and it, it's it's going to go veer into the personal because, you you know, you have that lovely story about uh, waiting for news about, uh, you know, the woman you're going to spend the rest of your life with. Like, basically, when can that, that life start together? Um what what did you make of Anne Hathaway's little speech? There's a plot point where they have to decide, like of the of the two messages and bottles they have, of which planet are they going to go to blindly to see if that's what's going to be their their saving grace for humanity. And it's revealed that Anne Hathaway, which is one of the scientists and astronauts on this this expedition, uh, has a romantic or uh, wants to have romantic. Um, lifestyle or attachment with one of the people that went on this this mission, and McConaughey kind of uses it uh, against her to say like, okay, that's the reason you're choosing this one as opposed to the other one, which 
spoiler alert, has Matt Damon, and boy, does that not <laughs> does that not go well? <laughs> a little egg in the face of the reconnaissance there. Uh, but what did you make of Anne Hathaway's speech? That sometimes um, there is no reason other than what the heart wants that she can remove the the science and the the head from it. Uh, because I saw some complaints in my you know recent uh, sort of reading of it that uh, primarily the female characters are guided more by emotion and heart than the the male characters. I'm hoping that you found that uh, pleasant and not unpleasant. But we'll see. We'll see if. Uh, Reddit commenting web comes out and really dices up this Anne Hathaway speech, like most of the internet <laughs> has done in my reading this week. I was conflicted about it because, you know, you put yourself in the character's shoes. And I've, I've, I've got two science degrees, so I'm all about the science. And like, well, if the data shows this, we should follow. That's how we come to the conclusions you know, based on data. And so it's difficult. If if we're really pinning, you know, the the salvation of, of humanity on this thing, like you have to go with the data. Like what else can you... It, so she just says she ultimately has a feeling. And you're right, that is odd for... Well, not odd, but it's par for the course that, oh yeah, okay, we'll give the emotional uh, spiel to the female character. That's probably not the best. And, and it kind of goes back to essentially the this script it works so hard and it still comes off as lazy and i don't know why i did find it endearing because anne hathaway delivers that monologue really really heartfelt and then she even kind of uh, has that one jab to uh cooper's character where it's like well if you know if this doesn't work out or whatever and you'll have to decide to go back to your kids or on to the next one and i hope you can be as unbiased so yeah and, and anytime cooper has to make a decision about his kids and especially his daughter because <laughs> fuck casey affleck i guess in this movie yeah you're just a stupid farmer can't even get into college but <laughs> right all you're doing is feeding the remaining survivors of this planet <laughs> you dolt <laughs> I, I, it, it hit me there are a lot of gut punches, emotional gut punches in this movie that get to me every single time. In fact, I'd argue some of the best stuff in the past 10 years. Like, I, I always tear up um, when McConaughey is watching the, the the messages that he's missed over the course of, like, you know, 20-whatever years. Fucking you know, Dr. Brandt, who fucks up and costs him, like, 20 years uh, by... by um, uh, taking her lollygagging on the shallow water planet. You know, my biggest problem with that sequence is that they don't have a good enough reason for Wes Bentley, you know, one of the other scientists, to die. I actually don't think they have really good reasons for either one of the ones that are like, oh, it's not uh, McConaughey or Hathaway, so fuck them. Uh, Wes Bentley just seems like he's out of shape <laughs> and he can't move. You know, not on this this planet's gravity. He has a head start, and he still um, is a gentleman. And while he doesn't open the door to get in the ship, he, like, waits for the lady to be carried in by the valiant robot and then manages, manages to drown <laughs> because he just doesn't like, <laughs> yeah. just step up to the plate. Uh, the other one, unfortunately, uh, is blown up by that saboteur, Matt Damon. And, you know, my problem with the sequence where the reconnaissance is uh, – 
you know, giving Anne Hathaway the what for as far as uh, following her heart is there's a little bit of a, a star fucker mentality to McConaughey's uh, Cooper where he's like, well, wasn't, uh, you know, whatever Matt Damon's character's name is, because uh, he's not been revealed to be Matt Damon uh, until that point, which is kind of odd that Matt Damon has this and then less than a year later has the Martian. I don't know what he was just, uh, did he, does his bit with Interstellar just like, man, I'd love to do a space movie where I'm the good guy. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to be the shit heel. I don't want to wipe that away. Um, but he points to Hathaway and is like, Hey, wasn't, uh, this other white dude, like the most respected scientist, uh, ever. And she's like, yeah, he was. He's like, well, doesn't that say something? <laughs> I'm like, I want to know what is this you're leading with, sir? Like, it, I thought the data was fairly even, or it's like, you know, we're, we're looking at fuel. We're like, you know, what, what is the best course of action? He's like, well, he, I don't know. He was pretty fucking famous. And I'm, I'm, I'm like, ah, that's, that's the trigger for me. We're doing the whole, like, well, Elon Musk is really rich. So he's Tony Stark, that <laughs> bullshit. And I'm like, <laughs> it gave me great joy to see Matt Damon explode in this. Like that setup gave me such satisfaction. Oh yeah. Oh, a hundred percent, hundred percent. And in fact, <laughs> it's not the Martian's fault, but he still had that interstellar stank on him as I'm watching the Martian. <laughs> so I'm like, I can't really enjoy the Martian in that way. Um, Did you want him to like die like Drew Barrymore and scream? And they're gonna reveal no, no, no. There, actually, there was a second person left behind. We're gonna. <laughs> he was just get you in the door. <laughs> Fortune favors the brave. Ridley, change the book. <laughs> Come on. Um, th there are some glaring story issues with Interstellar that also kind of bugged me. Like, why isn't NASA aware of the best pilot in their history? Uh, you know, that, that he happens to be living within driving distance of where they're, you know, because this up. country doesn't pay attention to the poor. <laughs> He's the poor now. <laughs> we don't give a fuck. <laughs> and then <laughs> you've got these uh, future uh, highly evolved versions of human beings. Why are they making it so difficult? Why is the wormhole in, in you know, all the way out near Saturn? Mm. And, and, and why is it that this Tesseract that they've created for him can only send cryptic messages through like Morse code? Like it's all very convoluted. And, and I have an answer to that. Oh yeah, please. Well, so one uh, Saturn that was supposed—that's an allusion to 2001's original intent, right? I think. So I'm guessing these <laughs> fifth dimensional humans that evolved. Uh, or ones that had letterboxed accounts in a previous <laughs> version. <laughs> They're being really cheeky. You know, it's, it's Christopher Nolan's idea of what the evolved human would be, which is uh, impeccable taste in cinema. Film, not digital. Um, and also, I, I look to this use of, like, Morse code is like the uh like uh, the companies like you know how the Motorola razors back with a new flip phone and uh, Google has theirs and inevitably like Apple will probably come out with a flip phone which is worse than what <laughs> what we like you've added one more action that we didn't need which is to open our our phone to a flat slab of glass and we've already corrected that by having flat slabs of glass. <laughs> and so I think that our evolved versions will just add extra steps. 
because capitalism. <laughs> That's what I think. <laughs> That's probably what it is. <laughs> you know, uh, one of the things, uh, the, one of the executive producers on this is Kip Thorne, the, the famous, uh, I think, Nobel laureate uh, physicist. And, and he also helped with the story. And he was very stringent upon the Nolans. Uh, I think uh, I read that Nolan wanted a character who like, could travel faster than the speed of light. And Kip Thorne was like, no! That's not scientifically accurate. And so, <laughs> in that voice. <laughs> and presuming that Nolan and his producers giggled at him like we just did, too. Like, <laughs> what a dork. <laughs> Listen to him care about things. <laughs> I like the idea of them sending him more and more outlandish versions of the script that are go far away from science. It was love all along, Kip. You're like, No. What if McConaughey had a silver surfboard that he rides around <laughs> space? Does that work for you, Kip? <laughs> well, then Kip ruins it by like actually trying to figure out how a surfboard would work. He's like, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the no one's worst nightmare when the when their bad ideas are legitimized by Kip's science. <laughs> scientifically accurate as you want but if it hinders the film if it makes it more convoluted for the average viewer i feel like it's it's overall detriment to the art and at the end of the day so he you know he he wanted everything to have a basis in science which is fine but then even the made up stuff like the tesseract river i i, I believe like there was like well if it could happen here's how it could. it's all made up shit like, you're making everything way more harder on the viewer. And the thing is, you you want your audience to leave the film thinking about the story, about the characters, about the themes, especially in science fiction, about the themes and how it could apply to their lives. But instead, if you have to create Mr. Wizard formulas and, and have a big old dry erase board with the serial killer style, you know, uh, maps on it to figure out what the hell happened, I feel like... This is the opposite of what you want as a filmmaker and as a storyteller. So at the end of the day, that's kind of what my biggest problem with this film is. It's it's not that it's too smart for its own good. It's trying to be too smart, even for your average viewer. I remember the first time I saw this was in the theater and I exited it and, you know, you had to go to it's a long movie. I had to go to the bathroom afterwards. And sure enough, two guys who uh, also uh, sat through this film with me were not arguing about it, but they were kind of complaining. It was like, boy, that was the weirdest film I've ever seen. And I'm like, boy, you, I mean, that's not the weirdest film I've seen. But clearly they didn't exit the film talking about the emotional resonance of, you know, a father and, and the decision to either go and, and save humanity or, or spend the limited time he has with his children. Like, that's the stuff that I think people should be talking about. But instead, 
it just seems like they're knee deep in in Kip Thorne's nonsense. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and that's the thing. It's like as much as I dislike all that, the film gets to me every single time when it's about the characters and and when the daughter is talking about her father and the betrayal of that horrible Michael Caine and and his uh, formula that w- can't be solved. You know, so yeah, I, it, it's it's troubling. I feel like this this was positively received. I don't know. It may be a little too talky and and heady for it to be perceived as some sort of classic, or you know, ever will be. I, I think it's just something you know. We we put a lot of expectation on Christopher Nolan, but I don't know if a lot of people, other than maybe his Batman movies rewatch a lot of his stuff. I mean, his name has value as far as like, there's a certain expectation that you're going to see the budget on the screen. Um, he, he's interested in big ideas, but there are always palatable. I don't know about tenant because that is a <laughs> sore subject. I, I feel like, you know, that it's, uh, it, man, it is the COVID movie because it's like, because yeah. he insisted on the theatrical release, um, I, I think it had no imprint whatsoever. And then if people did watch it, presumably at home, uh, with that horrible sound mix that, you know, Nolan has just like increasingly become known for with, you know, interstellar, there are moments in this where I'm like, what, what did you say? Do I care? Uh, Bane and the dark Knight rises, but certainly in tenant was the, the use of the masks. Um, I think that people like, like that he's attempting mainstream entertainment that will provoke conversation after, mm-hmm. which you know used to be more the norm than it is now. Um, I know I harp on like the superhero movies a lot, but it's, it is unfortunate that if, if film is like your, your, your main hobby slash passion, that most of the debate is centered around uh, casting, which character, from the funny books, will this person play? Um, how many times will that character show up? Will it be in the end credits? That that sort of just you know, it's just marketing. Now we just talk about like the marketing materials more so than what we just watched. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if Interstellar, other than the initial release, has had any sort of like cultural impact. I don't know if it should. Other than like you know, he he provided a, a spectacle and good time at the movies, but to get to the the heart of it. Um, you know, that disgusting science killing Anne Hathaway heart is that, was that effective for you then? Is it more effective now as a father? Cause this is as a, as a father of a daughter, this is like, you know, probably like in the last decade, the biggest budget father daughter story that we've been presented. So has that, has any of that changed for you as for, and especially, you know, I can just speak selfishly for myself. I don't get it. I don't get, I don't get the concept of having children. I get Jessica Chastain though, and I would I would weep openly if I was <laughs> separated through a black hole across the galaxy away from my Chastain. I understand that. Well, let, let's not forget the classic that is Tomb Raider. When it comes to father daughter movies, I think Tomb Raider gets the oh yeah the short. I'm sure the actual daughter uh, Angelina Angelina really misses her father John Voight, especially John Voight as he's become like man. I mean, would have been better off if he had just fallen off those rocks when he was doing that stunt and deliverance. 
is there is there a is there a Back to the Future where Angelina goes back in time and just pushes? <laughs> <laughs> watches her magazine cover which just disappears and she's like no this is better <laughs> sorry. sorry to the 18 kids from the various nations that I've stolen <laughs> sorry to them they're gonna have to work for a living <laughs> and Brad Pitt's like please make it happen do it <laughs> The the disrespect that the Alicia like Vikander Tomb Raider get like that one I bet that movie didn't even cross your mind when I said Tomb Raider like we immediately have to go back no to... and I like that movie too I liked it a lot we we kicked it around for a trilogy probably like two years ago and I don't know why we why we punish ourselves with these Back to the Futures and Interstellars. <laughs> <laughs> You know what happened is what is it like Ben Watley Wheatley like he was set to do a, a sequel and that's kind of what started the conversation oh. that maybe we should bring it and then it fizzled because no it actually did good business enough business for a um for a sequel but yeah anyways those father daughter scenes to my core because you know I'm upset that that recently my job went from a four ten hour shift a uh, work week to a five eight hour um work week and it's it's the worst because it's another day I have to be at work and can't be with my kid like that that bugs me so again the concept of like do I go in this wormhole and and possibly never see my daughter again versus that little time like we'll all die but at least we're together those things tug at my heartstrings and and they get me every single time and so all the problems i have with this movie the science all of it like, like getting in the way of the emo the emotional stuff is so effective on me i'm this is something i'm going to watch almost every year every other year it's just going to stick with me and like you said the attempt at this grand epic, the spectacle film that leaves people talking about certain things. Yeah, man. Like I, if there was an Interstellar every year that we got in the theaters, I I'd be very happy with it because the film, the film at least attempts something. I don't think it succeeds, but the attempt is there, and and boy, it's a hell of a swing. So despite the fact that I, you know, um, <laughs> razzing Kip Thorne a little bit, hey man, if you <laughs> if you're executive producing and writing something every year, I'm there for it. Um, I, I'm there for uh, someone like Nolan to channel all that science into something more emotional. I think I don't think the film works completely, but the stuff that's the high highs might be the best of Nolan's career honestly for me um it's it's not perfect but uh, i will take an interesting uh, uh failure or or uh, an awesome swing and a miss over something like quantum mania every day yeah quantum mania i can assure you which I'll, I'll never watch again or you know at home uh would not inspire me to think maybe i should get a bigger tv like actually quantum mania is probably better for me to like stop consuming as much whereas christopher nolan's work is like no 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 we we can like we can look to the stars and i can buy a bigger tv that <laughs> i deserve it like i deserve it and so does nolan you know which 
I don't know. I don't know if I'd ever be in his tax bracket to watch it at home and he'd be comfortable with what I could <laughs> have sitting in my living room. But fuck it, man. Like, you know, I, I also paid for tenants, so you, you owe me <laughs> this, this bit of grace. <laughs> you know what? I know that the concept of having children that you mentioned uh, uh, baffles you, but that's and that's Disturbing. okay. yes. Very, totally fine. <laughs> Believe me, the fact that, like, my DNA has somehow, you know, has continued past me is, is uh, mind-bending to me. But... That scene where McConaughey is watching the messages and like ugly crying his way through them, and then and then when the last message uh, from from his son ends, and he's like, "Yeah, this is it," and then he like kind of grasps the screen as mm, if like, "No, yeah. this can't be." But like, does that like that is that's next level for me? Like, this is some of McConaughey's best work. That that scene, like, even though, come on, like, doesn't that performance make you kind of get it? Like. That's how good I think it is. No, I'm reminded of uh, – it is very good, I'll grant you. Uh, there's a moment in uh, Seinfeld where uh, I think Elaine is explaining to him that he uh, – you know, he's he's let slip to a, a guy she's kind of started to see. Uh, he says something just sort of offhandedly like, yeah, Elaine says you, all, you guys are getting pretty hot and heavy. And she's like, what have you done to me? Like you've given him all this power. Do you know what it feels like to like – to have like someone decide like you know the whether or not they're going to continue with you like you may have scared him off and Jerry he just has a blank expression on his face he's like no that that sounds horrible that's kind of how I felt <laughs> watching this it's like why would I? the science went out like why would I put myself through that that's no um I, look I, I will say this about myself I, I'm horrible in all the all other respects. I don't. I don't care. Like, and maybe that maybe it's my lack of wanting to, to pass on my DNA or whatever. But I had the hardest time understanding the villainous Matt Damon in this, where he 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 wants to be the hero, and he even says himself like he never had any doubt that he would be the one that randomly finds the planet, even though they're just throwing darts on the space board. They have, you know, they can guess, but they don't know, and. He just lets his beacon and his bullshit data go through and then goes into his little, you know, uh, bathtub sleep just on the hopes that he will see another human face again. I had a hard time with that, too. So I don't know, like, maybe my disconnect or my lack of desire for <laughs> human contact would serve me well where it's like well i'm not gonna get someone else killed because fuck it man like i'm just gonna go to sleep and if i wake up one day and there's a city around me good <laughs> if not fuck you guys too like i don't <laughs> i don't i mean potentially his last act as a human being is like boy i hope this this, this might fuck over you know people who really have a shot at saving mankind <laughs> And again, I, 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 it's funny because his character's name is Man, and it's so fitting mm -hmm. that, you know, and the the female character is the one who's like, no, I, my intuition says not to go there. <laughs> so Matthew McConaughey should have been, he should have been suspicious when Matt Damon immediately woke up and cried into his arms like, ah, this guy wants it too bad. And it's a little desperate, <laughs> a little clingy. <laughs> Let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Um, who knows? I, and I, I can't say that one, your, your way of thinking versus my way. I, I have no idea, which is if there is a right way, but I will tell you one thing I could have recorded much earlier tonight 
but I had to clean the poop that was left on the toilet seat and on the bathroom sink because my kid tried to go all by herself and couldn't do it. And in that moment, I was like, maybe, maybe the emotional stuff in her cell is not that great. <laughs> maybe it's not so good. So who knows? Who if knows? Only no one had inc- included a flashback sequence of McConaughey, like, "Hey, do I go and save mankind?" But you know, I love my daughter, and then he walks in and she's shat all over the <laughs> toilet, and he's like, "Man, fuck it." <laughs> it's only you know eighty years. <laughs> if she takes care of herself, I'll see her again. <laughs> She'll be Ellen Burstyn at that point. It'll be cool. She'll have jowls. say how much I appreciate this opportunity to join you and what I'm sure that you appreciate being here doctor but you must understand we don't we were taken off a well-deserved leave and sent into Neptune space we are now three billion clicks from the nearest outpost the last time you sack attempted a rescue this far past the outer reach well we lost both ships so if you please right well everything I'm about to tell you is considered code black by the NSA you sack intercepted a radio transmission from a decaying orbit around Neptune. The source of this transmission has been identified as the Event Horizon. What was made public about the Event Horizon, that she was a deep space research vessel, that her reactor went critical, and that the ship blew up? None of that is true. The Event Horizon was the culmination of a secret government project to create a spacecraft capable of faster-than-light flight. Oh, no, excuse me. You see, you can't actually do that. The law of relativity prohibits faster-than-light travel. Relativity, yes, we can't break the law of relativity. We can go around it. The ship doesn't really go faster than light. What it does is it creates a dimensional gateway that allows it to jump instantaneously from one point of the universe to another light years away. How? Well, it's, it's difficult to... It's all math. Try us, Doctor. Right, well, uh, using Maiman's terms, use a rotating magnetic field to focus a narrow beam of gravitons. These, in turn, fold space-time consistent with veil tensor dynamics until the space-time curvature becomes infinitely large and you produce a singularity. Now, a singularity... Layman's terms. Well, fuck layman's terms. Do you speak English? Um... Imagine for a minute that this piece of paper... No, excuse me. Uh, that's Vanessa, and that's mine. Uh, attractive piece of paper represents space-time, and you want to get from point A here oh. to point B there. Now, what's the shortest distance between two points? A straight line. 
Wrong. The shortest distance between two points is zero, and that's what the gateway does. It folds space so that point A and point B coexist in the same space and time. When the spacecraft passes through the gateway, space returns to normal. <laughs>